Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays to talk all things United. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe, join the community, do whatever you can. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on audio, Rob, it's been a big week, um, apparently, because (laughs) United made a decision on a manager. How are you doing? Not bad. It has been a crazy week. Um, We were kind of expecting this. The United machine has been rolling and feeding certain parts of the press with information. And obviously, everyone's been chatting away behind the scenes to try and get as much quality information as possible. But uh, yes, the the news, of course, is that Manchester United have chosen their manager. Um, I think we even said it on the podcast about a month ago that the board had already kind of chosen their, their, their choice. You know, Richard Arnold wanted to put his stamp on this appointment, obviously now as he's the new boss of the football club. Um, and that guy, of course, is Eric Ten Hag. So we're going to talk a lot about the Dutchman today, a little bit about what we know, a little bit about how we think Man United will look under him and some of the more kind of interesting tidbits around the appointment. Yes, indeed. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU. And we'll get into a bunch of different things today. Eric Ten Hag... Not quite as confirmed as people would like to believe, but, you know, there has been some developments there. So we'll talk about uh, what needs to happen to get this deal over the line. We'll talk about some potential transfer targets, maybe a little bit of staff talk. Uh, And we'll look ahead a little bit to the Leicester game as well, although that's really the season has kind of ended in a sense. Uh, Paul Pogba said the season was dead a few weeks ago, and it pretty much is. It's all looking forward to the next three, four, five years or whatever, but... Let's start with the big question, Rob. I don't know if you've seen this, but which British staple meal would you drop? The full English breakfast, the curry, the roast or the pizza? Have you seen Have you seen this going around? No, what's uh, this? I literally refuse to choose. And I tweeted about it just before we went, uh, just before we started recording. Uh, and I would just not drop any of them. Full English curry, p- roast or a pizza. I'm going to put this one to you as a little bit of like light chat before we get into this Ten Hag stuff. Uh, I think I'm a, a food socialist. So, you know, I think all food is equal. Uh, it just depends what you like. I think if I was forced out of those options that you gave me, probably pizza. Oh, but, wow. You know, wow. I, I, I like all the other ones. I like pizza. You know, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't deny people their right to pizza. But, uh, yeah, this is social media in a nutshell. feels like social media from 10 years ago when these polls would go around and it would be like, shall we ban pizza? Why are we banning pizza again? <laughs> I'm not, not quite sure. Yeah, uh, Harry just put in the comments like British staples. No, they're, they're absolutely not. But it's what British people eat. And we are in the UK, obviously. So Italian I I... pizza and Indian curry. <laughs> it's like, it's... <laughs> but yep, we eat everything. I know. You see, we are food socialists. 
We are indeed. We're also Manchester United fans and journalists, etc., etc. And United, I'll put this this question to you instead, Rob. Do United have a new King Eric? Haha, <laughs> it's a good one. I can see the t-shirts already and the scarves at Old Trafford. Um, yes, if he wants it, you know. So I'll, I'll give you kind of my take on it and kind of the bits that I know. Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United situation has progressed in terms of talks. So that has continued. That's something that we expect. Has Eric Ten Hag accepted the job? No. Have Manchester United offered him the job? No. Will he come to Old Trafford as things stand if he gets what he wants? So I think this is kind of where we are with this with this movement. And, and none of this is unexpected. You know, uh, uh, Gary Neville said it last week, but it has been said by several people that obviously as Man United's form drops, the, the race for the top four falls away. The football club suddenly wants to talk about other things in the press, doesn't it? About the future. So this is kind of where we stand now. And obviously a lot of the breaking news from last week had that as its foundation. But yes, another King Eric. I can see it happening. Um, he's really the only choice in terms of what Manchester United see as a progressive coming to the football club who can maybe be the next big managerial star. So they still like Pochettino. That hasn't gone away. But this is down to Ten Hag now. If Ten Hag wants to take the job, then I think United will offer him all of the kingdom, all of the wealth, everything that he would want. But there's one or two creeping points on the contract in terms of control of the football club that he still wants answers for. Well, that's the thing, isn't it, Robert? I think I tweeted about this, and I think you I think you tweeted about this as well. Mm. After the news broke, obviously, a few days ago that United had gone this way, that nothing will change unless Ten Hag is given the power to imprint his style with the players that he wants, with the staff that he has. United have done this thing in the past where they have made sure that, you know, we've got to keep our history. We've got to we got to force things on the manager. We've got to tell them that this is the player that we really want because he's amazing and he's like, he'll sell loads of shirts for us and this kind of thing. I think back to Jose Mourinho wanting, that he was definitely the one to t- throw the toys out of the pram and that kind of thing, but he would want certain players and then he would or want to sell a player. I'll take Anthony Martial, for example. He wanted to sell Martial mm-hmm. for Ivan Perisic. I remember that was yeah. that was a thing a few years ago and it didn't, didn't happen because... Martial was uh, the favorite player of somebody upstairs, I think it was, or, or something like this. You know, it, it goes along these lines. Uh, and now Martial's out on loan at severe failing. So, you know, he, the manager has to have full say and full ability to do what he wants with this squad, to weed out the bad characters, to imprint a style of play with players that he thinks are technically able to carry out his style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the power to change everything because United have, not really given their managers that much like full control and full power over the last few years. And it's ultimately bit them in the backside. So what, ha- what needs to happen for this to, to happen, Rob? Well, look, football clubs in the modern day get run by committee. That's how it works. You have your commercial arm, your football arm. And the idea is, is that they come up with a project that goes like this and that you find a way forward. So let's just dig out some examples so fans know what we're talking about. When you look at Liverpool, Liverpool, when FSG took over the running of the football club there, they had a committee in terms of their transfers, their vision for the football club, rebuilding the club in terms of like the vision of the Boston Red Sox, like they did there. They took a team that was floundering, a great giant, and made them World Series champions again. 
They took Liverpool and they have, let's be honest, done exactly the same thing. What did they do differently to say what Man United do do and are trying to do? The difference is that when Jurgen Klopp came in, Jurgen Klopp on day one put stamped his feet and said, I am not coming to this football club unless I make the transfer decisions. And that was a big jump for that football club. That football club had decided that everything will be run by committee, you know, very democratic American system of how we build a thing. And Klopp kind of came in and went, okay, I'll be part of that, but I make the choices. I, I say, I want that player, I don't want that player, and I do it. Now, that's something that no Manchester United manager has truly had. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was the closest person in the last, you know, kind of eight years to, to be given that in the sense that he was advised about the football project. He would say the direction of the type of players, but vitally, he did not make the decisions on players. He did not get the final say. So we've had this cycle at Man United, haven't we, where it hasn't worked. United haven't contended. So United are now looking at other business structures and saying, right, what's worked in football and what hasn't? Liverpool has worked. They're looking at that because it's they can see they, they're akin to the, to FSG. You know, the Fenway group have done it a certain way and the Glazers are part of that American sport heritage. So they're looking to say, right, what can we do at our football club? Maybe it's time now to bring in a manager that can give us that advice. However, however, Man United are still very, very motivated to sign shirt sellers. And I think this is where the conflict might come because Ten Hag might come on in and say, yep, do you know what? I'm here. I'm all in. I want to do the job. And we're getting that vibe from his camp that he wants the job, but you might not want Ronaldo. So if United, so what's he, what United going to do? United going to give up all of that sponsorship that Ronaldo brings for one season. He's only here one more year effectively on the contract, but we also know that Cristiano does want to stay long-term at Man United in some capacity, whether that be when he retires, whether he's a coach or an ambassador or something or the other. Man United don't want to sever that relationship for a young upstart coach, even though Ten Hag's not exactly that young. But this is the whole thing about direction and why it's a problem at Man United. Do you get the feeling that there is a recognition that the way that they've run in the past has failed and it is the fault of the people making those decisions and they need to change? Because I don't want to like... I don't want to give too much credit because United haven't done anything yet, really. But they... And I tweeted this as well. They when they sacked Ollie, they said at the time that they wanted to take some time to vet candidates, to take a look at the next manager. They brought in Ralph Ranick, who, you know, there's conflicting reports about how much influence he's having. Uh, but, you know, from what I understand, John Murta respects his opinion and will listen to him. Whether that has any actual imprint on the decisions that are made remains to be seen. But he is in there. He's not really had the desired effect you'd probably say on the pitch because there's players in there who are not carrying out his instructions. There's no real, he hasn't been able to imprint his style because there's players there who are just not suited for it. But do you feel like the change in structure since Edward was gone with Richard Arnold there, you've got John Murphy, you've got Darren Fletcher as well. Do you think that they've realized that, okay, we it's on us. We've been making the mistakes over the last few years. We need to change and put football first. Do you feel like, because that's a big thing, do you feel like that has happened or do we need to wait to see? I, I think what you're asking there is the kind of the big cultural question around Manchester United. <clears throat> and that is, can Manchester United look within its own culture as a football team, as a, as a board, and kind of hold itself to account 
you know, can it look at its own principles and structures and say, we got that wrong, so let's go and fix it. I think as it stands, the answer to that is no. You know, we put pressure from our, our kind of position in the media on Man United to modernise itself going back several years. And I can still remember, and I think, again, I've quoted it on this show before, where I said Richard Arnold on a, on a call with the press and to investors saying that our director of football is Ed Woodward. And everyone was like, what? Hey, you, you, that, that's mad. That's madness. But that is exactly how the club operated. Now, what the club did in the last couple of years is to try and outwardly modernise those things. So we've now got a kind of effective sporting director, you know, whatever his term might be. He keeps changing every week. And then you have a football director in Darren, uh, in, uh, Darren Fletcher who sits on the bench at Old Trafford. It's a strange scenario. So to me, as it stands, no, Manchester United have not recognised those things because we haven't got an all-encompassing sporting director leading the project. So John Murtough is well-respected, did good work at Everton, came obviously over to the football club around the kind of Moyes period when United were trying to change some things. And he's done okay, but does he have any real power? I still feel that my gut tells me the answer is no. You know, he will be able to put names forward and his job is to do that, is to assess candidates. But this is Richard Arnold's choice. Richard Arnold's the CEO of the football club and this is what the Glazers understand. And really, Liverpool operated like that until Jurgen Klopp forced them to operate differently. So this is, I think, where we are with the Ten Hag question because they're either going to go with Ten Hag's suggestion and say, yep, do you know what? The time has come for us to give you the reins, someone who's a football person, or they're going to fudge it. And they're going to say to Ten Hag, come in, and in two years' time, Ten Hag's going to get sacked, and Ten Hag will leave and say, well, I wasn't allowed to do anything that I wanted to do. So unfortunately at the moment, Scott, as a Man United fan and as a football journalist, do I feel massively confident about this appointment? No, not because I doubt Ten Hag, but I doubt Manchester United. And I still think that, that Ten Hag's going to need two or three stonewall guarantees from Richard Arnold before he signs any contract with Manchester United. And that's why I say that this deal is not over the line. If they are to run the same way as they have before and cut out uh, Ten Hag's legs from underneath him, in a sense, they are currently... I haven't looked at the table for a few days, but I think they're seventh in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Where will they be in two years' time if they don't change and Ten Hag is sacked in two years? Because Newcastle are coming. West Ham are running pretty well. Arsenal on the way back. Tottenham are okay. And if they keep Conte, they'll probably be solid top four contenders with uh, you know recognised uh, weaknesses on the pitch addressed. Chelsea, I'm sure they'll be back. City and Liverpool are untouchable. So... If they don't, if if they don't give Ten Hag what he wants at the moment, and they don't address and they don't look at themselves and recognize that they they are the ones that've been failing, they are not going to be able to earn Champions League money every year, and it's going to hit them in the pocket. And that's probably the reason why they might change. So as soon as they realize that their finances are affected by their poor football decisions they might then go, let's try something else. Because I think this is what this board does. It's very much a gambler. It holds the dice at the table and it rolls it every year or two, doesn't it? That's what it does, makes big sweeping changes. And then you look into the changes, you kind of go, mm, it doesn't really make sense, but I get why they're trying something a little bit different. So these structural things have changed, 
But I'll say this. Man United's board of 15 people and 15 to 20 people on it still is completely populated by people who know nothing about football and they make a core decision together. So Richard Arnold is the is the link really between the Glazer board and, and the whole board is Glazer family members. You know, you go 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 look on the website, all their names are listed there. It's someone Glazer, someone Glazer, someone Glazer. It's a family run business to them. And then you've got Richard Arnold now, who, like Ed Woodward, was this go-between. But Ed was much more involved in the football project than I would like to see Richard Arnold involved. But unfortunately, this decision is going to be about Richard Arnold. It's going to be about what man he wants for the job. And he's wanted Ten Hag for a while, and we've stated this repeatedly. You know, He's been his number one choice. So it, it, whatever they, they kind of say to Eric Ten Hag to get him to sign the contract and do it doesn't mean it will happen. It just means that that's the agreement at that moment of time. Let's be honest. Van Gaal asked for certain things. He got some of it. He didn't get all of it. He failed. Mourinho, exactly the same. Big first transfer window. Ibrahimovic, Pogba, Bailly, Mkhitaryan. After that, not a lot. So I do think that there will be this burst of enthusiasm from the United board if, if Ten Hag comes on board. They will give him money they will spend on players there will be this kind of mini revolution but they will go back to what they know and what they know is to make sure that their finances are secure so uh that's been the downer side Mm -hmm. what excites you about Eric Ten Hag I think Eric Ten Hag when you look at his profile and what he is as a man and as a coach that if Man United really do want to look towards the future that you can go and get this guy He will coach the team in the right way. It doesn't mean you're going to get immediate success, but you're going to have to sit on it and let him build. And I believe that in general in football, you know, that's not just something that, you know, I'm not just applying that because Man United are in this position. I think that you've always got to build it. So even when you look at Jurgen Klopp's success at Liverpool, you know, this has been built now over a five or six year period, isn't it? This is not it doesn't hasn't happened overnight. People forget what year one was like under Klopp. It wasn't very good. They came seventh or eighth first year under Klopp. People have forgotten that because success is the best elixir to kind of forget those things. But I think what excites me about um, Ten Hag is that he's the best on market. So I think if you're looking for a manager out there who fits what you want your project to be, Ten Hag can do that. But there is still a few hesitants there about whether coming to Manchester United as a political entity will be very, very different to Ajax for him. And, you know, I'll just say this, you know, you said at the top of the show there about kind of the commercial side of it, shirt sellers on one thing or another. I think one of the big issues for Ten Hag when he comes to United, and I do think he will, is that how does he manage that role as ambassador? How does he become Fergie? How does he do that job of running everything and everything being on his shoulders? And I mean, you turn up for every presser, you turn up for every commercial sponsor, you go and shake hands. It's kind of like, you know, you're patting the baby's head at hospital. That's what he has to become. That's not what he is. Do you think that has to be someone else? That would mean that Manchester United would need to change their culture, like we just stated. So you, ideally, you'd have a sporting director who could do a lot of that stuff. But Murto isn't that guy, is he? Murto doesn't get rolled out as a figurehead in that way. He releases the odd statement now and then through Manchester United's press corps. But you know, like the, the, I said, the, just, it, to, just to jump in there, I think mm. 
Uh, I'm not sure of the latest on this, but there have been suggestions over recent weeks, and I, I have seen this come up this week as well, that they are looking to employ a deputy football director. Yes, yeah, that is well known, and it's been it's been on the table for a little while. So the obvious name there is Paul Mitchell, um, but I don't know if Paul Mitchell is really down with it. I don't think he wants to come to a club as anyone's deputy. He will want to run the show. So there's no doubt John Murtagh's feet are well and truly under the Manchester United table. He's going nowhere as it stands, and I think he will live and die with this appointment. So obviously, if, if uh, Ten Hag is successful over a couple of year period and beyond. Murto keeps his job. If it all falls apart, United by a load of rubbish, like they have done over 10 years again, then Murto will be held accountable and shown the door. And then you might get a Paul Mitchell. I do also think that when you're talking about assistance and having a stronger structure at board level, you're going to have to really do maybe what Chelsea did, where they went and got someone like Peter Church. So you go and get someone who is connected to the football club, a young person, someone who connects with the players, the dressing room, the fans, and is that go between that at the moment? Is that Darren Fletcher at the moment? That's Darren Fletcher, but I don't always always praised by the way for how smart he is. He's a really really smart cookie, like he really is. Like he's a clever guy. Like he's been given this because he's kind of talked his way into the role. You know, he's he's told them what he thinks, and they like how he operates. And Fergie likes him. You know, even though I said before, Fergie doesn't have any kind of direct power at Manchester United anymore. But he is a, a well, a well liked figure. But Man United fans are getting bored of this jobs for the boys thing. So United have to be careful politically. You know, wouldn't it be better just to go and get someone best in class, like someone who's done the job, or someone who you feel is on that top side there of of being someone that can help you? So Darren Fletcher might be that person, but as it stands, you know, he's already a kind of an assistant, but he sits on the bench. What does that? What What does that tell you, Scott? What maybe maybe you? he's in there to to do the Ralph thing, and I'm, what, I'm what, what, purely what, speculating here but, to understand everything at all levels of the club to eventually but, step back. But he sh- like this is the thing. It's like the whole Ralph thing. You've brought in a guy who's a builder of football clubs, and you've told him you want to change, and you've told him that he can be a consultant. You've told him you're going to pay him X amount of money, but he still doesn't really know what his job is. He's kind of said it out loud. And you're telling him to just kind of firefight week after week with this bunch of players. That's not his skill set. So what? why did you just not give the job to Michael Carrick for six months and just say, do you know what? Ralph Randick's going to come in, but as a director of football, with our already current director of football, and we're going to build something from the top down. They didn't do that, did they? So this is why I don't really trust the United board. And we, we have to kind of wait and see now. We're at that point where it's it's not it's not one thing or another. They're saying the right things, but they tend to say the right things. So yeah. we now need to see it. And we have to see United be progressive. You know, Ten Hag comes in. He needs control. He needs to veto every transfer incoming and outgoing. I said yesterday on Twitter, United fans will be surprised that if Eric Ten Hag comes in, he will be able to look at the squad and go, actually, I like that player, but I don't like that player. And it will be fan favourite gone and someone they don't like staying at the football club. I highlighted Anthony Martial because I think in his system, in a in a Ten Hag system, someone like Martial would probably do better than Rashford, who's much more about straight line speed. So it's interesting to see which technical players will remain and who he actually gets rid of. Yes, indeed. Uh, that. Lead us on nicely to the to the next question, actually, that I was going to ask. Although I would say before we move on, like 
the jury has been out for a long time with United fans on the board. Everybody mm. now recognizes after five, four or five failed manager, ma- managerial appointments that it's not the manager. And even a Fairweather fan can recognize this now. Yeah, Everyone I, can recognize totally. this. So it, and they have mm. to, the proof is in the pudding ultimately. You know, they, they have some time to make changes, but we'll know within three months. Do you think? Yeah, you think it's, it's, a, it's about true. responsibility, isn't it? It's about, you know, if you're the custodians of the football club, it is on you no matter what happens. <clears throat> so if you do well or badly, it's like everything that we do well, everyone pats themselves on the back and we move on, you win games and everyone's happy. We do badly, what happens? Manager gets sacked. That's kind of the, the, the pattern. Uh, it's not a case, again, with the Glazers want to win or lose because I think every owner in football wants to win. But there's always the complication of money and about how you run your business. So the Glazers have spent all this money over time. Man United fans would say to me, no, they've not spent a penny. It's our money. Well, they run the football club. They own it. They control the coffers. They spent $1.25 billion and won nothing effectively. You know, got no closer to winning the title. So you've got to keep evolving. And that's really important. Can this United board evolve? I think that is a huge question. And I don't, even if they get it right, Scott, like say they get it right, and in two or three years' time, Man United won the title. Does that mean the Glazers are still running the club? Well, it doesn't mean that. It just means they kind of rolled the dice and, and got a six this time. You know, this is how it works sometimes in football. Of course, with the more kind of deliberate structures like Manchester City, you're seeing other football clubs now uh, copying that. So like in Aston Villa, Newcastle, they're all going to copy that structure. But if United want to be more like Liverpool, they've got to do more Liverpool things. And that's something they haven't done over over time. And that's on the board. It's up to the board to make these choices. And then, you know, you roll that dice one day, Scott. You get lucky. You find that player comes into your football club who just burns it up. You find that one leader, your Cantona, you know, changes stuff and makes you go from a, a decent team to a really good team. This Man United squad has got holes in it. But pound for pound for pound, it's still got decent players somewhere in there. It needs a coach. It needs a philosophy. And you need some kind of belief around that while you build and bring other players into the football team. And it's also needed a coach who is able to bring the best out of players and has a track record of doing that. And I I was reading a summary piece yesterday of like things that his current players or former players have said about him. And a lot of them were... Yeah, he sets us, he knows, he's he's tactically savvy, and he got the best out of me. And that was not one player saying that, that was several. His man management is very Fergie-like. Very Fergie-like. It's quite firm, quite tough, but does put his arm around players when they need it. Now, some managers are not good at that. You know, some managers are, are, are fantastic at it. Like Ole was good at that. Ole was good at managing people, but it, it didn't translate to saving his job at the end of the day. But Ten Hag is also a, an acute tactical entity. And that's also what you're bringing in. So you want someone that can do all of these things, don't you, Scott? That's the idea of a manager, you know, to a coach to come in and be able to review stuff. You look at what Ralph has said. Now, Ralph is, is that kind of guy as well. But Ralph hasn't connected with his players because his players don't want to connect with him. You know, they don't want to play for him at the highest level because he's going and they know it. But if you bring Ten Hag in, I think Ten Hag needs to have a big period of like maybe a year and and it will take that long where he gets to know these players and he can siphon out the players he doesn't want. He can bring in players 
of his own ilk. So we, you know, we can talk about Anthony and Timber and players like that who who are his own boys that he might like to add to a Manchester United squad. But then you might find that someone like Harry Maguire does all right under him. You know, someone who could be able to bring the ball out from the back doesn't have the pace. But, you know, we saw with Delit going back over time that he's played with a centre-back that doesn't have pace. So so these things are there to be answered, aren't they? These big questions have to be answered by the manager, but he needs time to answer those, those big, big questions. Yes, he also needs a number of things uh, that we've already touched on in the show, but I think we should maybe speak about it a little bit more at length. So... From what we understand, Ten Hag would like to get his way in a sense in terms of yes. staff appointments, style of play, mm-hmm. players who are able to fit that style of play, veto on signings. United don't like, obviously, I think uh, we've reported today that United are willing to break their transfer record for Declan Rice, but he would like to have a veto on signings. United don't necessarily need to, to break transfer records. Liverpool have shown that they can buy a player for a few million quid and turn them into major stars. Mo Salah costs 30 million, 35 million quid after a good few seasons at like Fiorentina and Roma and is now one of the world's best players having scored 20 Premier League goals a season for five years or however long it's been. And that, that is possible to do. United don't have to spend another 1.2 billion to get back to the title. I, I saw something, this is talk sport obviously, but... Uh, somebody told me that TalkSport said, United need to spend another billion quid to compete with Liverpool and say, no, they don't. No, They don't. So what does Ten Hag require, Rob? Well, let, let, let's have the, the juxtaposition on that and completely counter what our own argument is here at the moment. He needs money, first of all. He does. Yes, he, he, does. He, does. He, does. he does. He does. He does. Yeah. He does need money and he does need players. And this is when we talk about the culture of Manchester United, where we're, we're, we're talking about in terms of how do you change certain things. Man United do believe that you have a problem, you throw money at it. That's what you do. That's how they've always worked. So this is why this is not necessarily about money because I do think money will be made available. So Ten Hag will get those guarantees around having a big pot of cash to spend. It's more for me about the fundamentals of the philosophy and finding players that fit your system. So there's several ways of looking at this. You've got to promote youth, you know, because that's where you get at them early. You get them at 15, 16, 17, 18. You teach them the Manchester United way that doesn't really exist at the moment. But what you are teaching them is the 10 Hag way. You know, you're giving them a plan for development. Then you go and get young players who are not at the football club and you develop them, the 20-year-old, someone around that thing or ilk of who can help you immediately, but you're going to give them time. And then you go and find those experienced players that just fit the DNA of what you're trying to do. That takes a long period of time. You just talked about Declan Rice there. Declan Rice, for me, and again, last season, I was saying, Declan Rice, is he that good? That's what I was saying. I was going, I watched him a lot for West Ham. He was doing well. But when we're talking big transfer fees, you know, you're talking about world-class players at the highest end, you know, do I want to pay 100 million for a Jack Grealish? No, I don't want to. I don't believe he's world-class. I think he's very good, but not world-class. Declan Rice, for me now this year, has stepped into the world-class bracket. He really has. West Ham are where they are because of Declan Rice. He's not just a leader. He's a superb footballer. He's probably the best box-to-box midfielder in the country, or at least one of them. And he's someone, I think, who's going to get better. So but he's you... English, Rob. He's English. So the big thing for Man United fans at the moment is this whole England FC thing. We don't want more English players. Well, you weren't saying that when we were signing Rio Ferdinand and Wayne Rooney years ago. So, and Jaden Sancho. Know, you know, so calm 
down. Mm. You know, this is not about nationalities. There is a link with the United board that England shirt sellers sell more than shirt sellers from any other part of the world. It's true. If you do well for England and you're a superstar, you sell tons of shirts everywhere across the planet. It's true. That market is, is, is a real thing for Manchester United. However, we're talking about getting the right player. So if you want the best in class of what you can get, yes, there are plenty of really good midfielders out there. But Declan Rice is a really good start. Would I pay £100 million for Declan Rice? Yes. Do I care if Man United pay £150 million for Declan Rice? No, because it's the Glazers' money. It's not our money. It's their money. Ultimately, like I just explained, they control the coffers. And I think they would quite like, in a World Cup year, building up to Qatar, someone like Declan Rice. There is that kind of commercial fit there as well. He would be the next Roy Keane, wouldn't he? He'd be given, you know, a prominent shirt number. He'd be, you know, he'd be on the TV puffing his chest out and saying, come on, lads, this is what we're going to do. And it all fits the whole MO of what United like. And I think one thing with Declan Rice as well, I am a massive fan of Declan Rice. And I mm-hmm. agree with you. I agree with you. As much as like spending, I, I don't know how much United will have in this summer transfer budget. And if it's a lot of it going towards Declan Rice, then maybe that's a problem. But ultimately I look at Declan Rice and I think a club pl- pays the, the amount of money that they feel is worth it for a certain player. It's not on the fans to decide how much a player costs, not on the player to decide yeah. how much a player costs. If United decide that somebody like Declan Rice is the right fit for them, then great. That's what they need to follow. And I look at Declan Rice and I see his ability to carry the ball forward. I see his ability to make tackles. I see his ability to cover ground. I see his ability to puff his chest out, like you say, and take a game. I see the way that he talks. I see the way that he is... He's 23, 22, 23. And Mm. he communicates so well. He strikes me as a leader. He's West Ham's captain. Mm-hmm. All of these qualities and the fact that he does need to step up and he's done it for England as well, international level, shows me that he is a good fit. And I think he would be a worthy signing for United. He's a force of nature. And this is why I always highlight when I talk about Declan Rice, about my opinion a year ago and two years ago, because I think it's also fair to say, and, I, and football fans don't always grasp this, especially when journalists talk about it, that your opinion can change. You watch a player scientifically. No, it can't. <laughs> you, yes, it can, Scott. Do you know what I mean? So you, your opinion can change on these things because you watch them. So two years ago, there were still talks then about signing Declan Rice from Manchester United. And I would say no. So I was going, we do have Scott McTominay and they kind of do similar things. It's just who has the upside and who has the downside. So, of course, Declan Rice is a better footballer than Scott McTominay today. But things change. So I, I look at Man United's issues with leadership and the problems in the midfield. And obviously, there's a lot to talk now about Declan Rice. The reason why there's talk is two reasons. One, Chelsea gone a bit cold on him. Why have Chelsea gone a bit cold? Because they want other players. They don't see a primary 100 million plus signing in their midfield as the thing they really need at the moment. But also remember, Declan Rice is a Chelsea fan and part of Chelsea's system when he was a kid. So there's that. The other flip side of it is now Declan Rice's people are being a little bit more open about to where he goes as a, as his next career jump. So people would say, oh, Man United ended up 7th, 8th, 10th, whatever this season, and he's not in the Champions League, he won't go there. I do not believe that for a second. Man United will make it worth his while, 
and they'll sell him the Man United dream like they sell to everyone. And I think Declan Rice will be up for it. He's talked very positively about the football club in the past. And it's didn't he Jack- also say at Old Trafford was one of his favourite places to play? He did, as season. did as did Jack Grealish a couple of years ago. So Jack Grealish like was very much like, oh, I love I love Old Trafford, my favourite place in the world to play. Oh, I'm excited for Man City. So it's one of these things. So the, the, the Man City have also inquired about Declan Rice consistently over the last 12 months, but it's not really their style, I think, to to kind of add that type of player in there at the moment. They might want him after the end of the season, but they're looking at forwards. They're trying to move things around. There will be players, I think, leaving their football club, even, you know, a surprise. A, a, Rodri, a Rodri Declan Rice midfield for, at Man City under Pep doesn't scream fit to me. And that's no. the problem. So why do they need to spend over £100 million on, on a player that does Declan Rice things when they've kind of got players who already do Declan Rice things? So Man United, in terms of need, they need a Declan Rice. So this is, I think, where the conversation has shifted. Because initially, it was that he was going to stay in London, Chelsea, yada, yada, yada. All of those things put together, that has now fallen apart because of Chelsea's ownership issues as well. So all of these things are real. As we said, things do change. And I do think that Man United are going to go and get one player from day one. You know, like who is the the marquee signing on day one of the transfer window? There is no one better in his position for that. In co- according to me, my own humble opinion, than Declan Rice. I do not care what he, what wage he's on, and I do not care how much he costs. You've just got to go and get the right pieces. Obviously, we should talk about Calvin Phillips as well. Someone else oh, is very much very that. much in that yeah. conversation, but. It's a kind of wait and see, isn't it, about blending and making sure that you can get all of the targets you want. Because the truth is, you never really get everyone that you want in one transfer window. Yeah, let's talk about, you know, well, it it, just, it seems to me, and like obviously we uh, at 90 Min reported the Deck and Rice uh, story. I think it came mm-hmm. out yesterday. It's doing the rounds today as we record this on Friday. But, you know, it seemed as though everyone, all the media in the UK was waiting for decision on manager to come out and that came out earlier this week you know United have leaned towards Mm -hmm. Ten Hag and then boom transfers 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 transfers. Uh, Calvin Phillips was one obviously we've got Declan Rice I I haven't seen Yuri Tielemans' name come up yet but he's on the market for 25 million that's gonna happen at some point isn't it I'll buy him tomorrow you know so would I so would I Uh, and maybe that's the two that you got but you buy but mate I think United have United recognise, I think they need more than maybe one midfielder. And it's not only midfield that's been linked with, uh, you know, something that United need to fix. There's fullbacks, there's centre-backs. Durian Timber yeah. is another one. Anthony's another one that's been doing the rounds for a little while and has obviously uh, perked up a bit with Ten Hag's, uh, the, you know, the progression in that narrative, in, in a sense. And there's other players too that I'm forgetting to list here. But Calvin Phillips. Let's talk about Calvin Phillips. Hmm. What's your opinion? Calvin Phillips. Um, I think Calvin Phillips has done fantastically for Leeds. I re- really have. And obviously when he's represented England, obviously at Euros specifically, again, did very well. Uh, a very natural partner for um, Declan Rice in that England midfield. If you play Gareth Southgate football. Do you want Gareth Southgate football at Manchester United? Is that a step forward? So this is why it's a weird thing. Like Again, I can see why United are hunting out both these midfielders and looking at the options because it's, it's probably a case that you'll get one. You know, you could get Calvin Phillips if he decides that he's willing to, you know, cross the Pennines and make that unthinkable 
uh, walk from mm. Leeds to Manchester down the uh, down the M62, um, and and around his price bracket, you know, we're talking sub fifty million. Then Manchester United might look look at it and go, yeah, we like the value of that. That's something that we could work with. I don't really see them both being the answer to Man United for, you know, we've just said that we don't care about prices, but if you're going to spend money, then you do need to spend it wisely. Um, so for me, it's rice plus one, you know, that's how I want to look at it. That's how I would be building this project, the next stage of this project. Uh, I like Calvin Phillips. Is he a guaranteed, you know, take you to championship level, you know, winning the title midfielder? Mm. I don't know. He does get injured. He's had injuries this year. Little Knox doesn't hasn't seemed to be fit for a long mm. period of time. Really big part of the Bielsa downfall because he was so so integral to their their system when they were doing well. And also, you know, when he was out of the team, they collapsed. So, it, you know, it's a difficult one, Scott. Is what I'm trying to say because I, I just think that there are so many positions you need to buy for. You need another fullback. In this in this team, you might need another creative midfielder. You might need a wide player as well. If you're going to lose Rashford, uh, you certainly might be looking at a striker because Cristiano is very old. So there's so many positions that you need to kind of assess quickly. But the other side of this is is that United do need to clear the ranks. You cannot have the wage bill that they have and effectively target bigger players. But you just said that Anthony Timber. You know that there, there are people out there. There are players out there that have got big profiles or growing profiles that you could go and get before they become superstars, before they really become huge players where their their transfer fees go beyond the things that you would say are normal. And this is why you go and get someone like Eric Ten Hag. You say to him, tell us who you want. Tell us who fits your project. Because do you know what? The players who come into this football club have got to be able to play your style of football. And, and this is the thing that's never really worked at Man United is that they've bought plenty of talent it's never worked, has it? We've never it's seen a, co- a coherent squad. It's a funny way how that's that's worked over the few years. Because you think of, you know, I've started supporting United in the nineties. I was born like eighty nine, so that was when so I got young. to when so I got young. to see them. Thank you very much. <laughs> so so young, but United have never until this era now have never been the club that have gone out and bought the finished article. They've always developed their own players. And made them into superstars, kind of like what Liverpool are doing. That that's, so that was always the philosophy. Why? The, the philosophy of the football club is that you know we don't buy stars, we create them. So that was the catchphrase throughout the nineties. So that was how it was. You went and you went into your youth system. You plucked one or two out. You left it for the year. Then the next year you go back. You pluck one or two out, and you have that cycle of creating the next play you need for a position. Now Man United have got that. Yeah. So we're talking about fullbacks just a minute ago. You've got Ethan Led. Bring him into the team and start developing him. But you need a coach that develops. So this has been the problem, hasn't it, over a long period of time now with Man United. Oligan Solskjaer uh, was criticised for not bringing enough youth through, but he actually gave more debuts to youth team players through his tenure than any other manager since Fergie. So he did do that. He just wasn't successful in them being part of the rotation all of the time. So this is what Ten Hag would need to do. He'd need to look at Manchester United's burgeoning youth team, which is in a good place at the moment, and he needs to pluck two or three out to supplement bigger signings. And that's how you do it, Scott. If you're going to go and spend £100 million plus on Declan Rice, you don't need to go and look what you've got and bring them through. And then that's how you balance the books and how you balance your talent. So Man United are just not very good at it because it's a board that doesn't know these things. 
You know, I often said it before. If you want, you know, if you want a pipe fix, go and get a plumber. You don't get a mechanic to do it. You know, so the United board have always been the other way. It's just a bit like, what do we do with this? There's 100 million and we can sleep on it for a year. You know, who's that, Ronaldo? He's really good, that Ronaldo. Let's give him 50 million pound two year contract. It's a crazy way of doing it, but you do need more balance. And this is why the Ten Hag appointment could be exciting, but only if he gets that true power. Yes, indeed. We'll we'll revisit transfer targets over the next few weeks. It's inevitable that it's going to happen on future shows. It's going to be non-stop. Yeah. Um, And another thing, you're talking about youth there, Rob. Another thing that you've seen this week, obviously we know that Hannibal's been training with the team. Mm -hmm. Alejandro Garnacho has been spotted and pictured training with the first team this week as well. So could we see him introduced? I, I know you're a very big advocate for him. We talked about him on past shows. I'm sure we'll talk about him again soon, but Let's, let's look at something more immediate because we're going to go a little bit longer than we usually do on today's show just because of the significance of the developments of the last few days. Will we see an immediate reaction in the Leicester... In, I've written Leicester. Leicester, play, Leicester played last week. In the Everton game, will we see uh, an immediate reaction in that? Because I before this uh, these developments happened, I looked at this Everton game and I see how bad they are and I see how poor they're playing and I think, ooh, Who'd be the team who could get United uh, get Everton out of that rut? This United team <laughs> like it. Yeah, how do you we feel might, about it? We might see a reaction definitely from Everton. So uh, this this is the problem. So um, Everton are fighting for their lives. I do think they're going to get relegated. That's one of been one of my tips uh, in this season. I do think they're that bad. Um, but does that mean that that Man United uh, are going to go and beat them and kind of? consign them to the championship no so i think the issue with united and this is the problem is that especially we talk about expansively about the team about the squad signings ten Hag, the future is that the future can very much hinder the present because players just don't know if they're coming or going they really don't you need a song from marcus rashford at the moment don't you marcus is thinking of leaving he is thinking of leaving Paul Pogba, one foot out of the door. That's two key players. Cristiano, getting old. Do I really want to be doing this? Not so sure. You know, Cavani, effectively gone. These are core pieces that you need to win Premier League games every week. Luke Shaw, plenty of injuries, hampered his form all season long. Harry Maguire, again, he actually played quite well in the last game. I thought he was he was decent, but... He has the weight of the world on his shoulders, doesn't he? So all of these things remain problems and they're going to be problems until the new manager comes in. And unfortunately, Man United's timing about breaking the news about Ten Hag does show where the football club's head is. And that is that they are looking to the future as well. So am I confident about any of the remaining games? No. no. I think what might happen is that Man United might lose some of the ones that we think they won't. And then they'll play Liverpool and hammer them because it's just a strange scenario. You know, they just get it up that day and think, wow, and Bruno hits a hat-trick or Ronaldo has a hat-trick and we're celebrating like we've won the title. Um, but again, I think all of that is is a little bit conjecture. I do think that, that United still got players who are playing for their place. But I think there's a big, deep understanding with the playing squad is that this manager will be gone and a new one will be in soon. And whenever that is the case, Form always drops. How many players do you think are out of the door at the moment? 
Well, we, we can kind of skip through them really quickly. I think De Gea will sign a new contract. I think Luke Shaw will sign a new contract. I think Aaron Maguire is an if, but, or maybe, but it's on a big deal. So unless they can move him on, he's a no. Varane stays there. And I think when you look at right back, I talked about Ethan Laird, but there's issues with Wambasaka and um, uh, obviously no. Delo and, and Tellez. That's just your back. That's just your defence. We've just gone through them. So I think that most of them will remain. And when you look through the midfield, I don't think you're going to see a McTominay leave. Fred will sign a new deal. We've heard this and and we believe that that will be announced soon. That'll be another little jigsaw piece for United. They'll be like, you know, we've had a bad day today, but Fred signed a new contract. Oh, right. Okay. I, I think Cristiano is 50-50. I think he wants to stay. I think he will stay. Bruno's just signed a new contract. So how many are leaving, Scott? That's not many, is it? So I don't think that... I think United need to be very cerebral about how they pick the players outgoing. Because I always say the same thing. Lose players that don't help you win. That's the way you have to do this. If you can't help us win, off you go. Matic is talking about signing for another year. He wants to continue playing. He's done all right when he's played for United. Get rid. Matter. Get, Get rid. There's plenty of players around the fringe. Jesse Lingard, gone. So many, but you have to do it with a natural order. If Cristiano cannot help you win next year, pat him on the back, thank him for everything, big hugs, big cuddles, off you go to the MLS, goodbye. And you do it without a tear in your eye. You've just got to do it because it's about the business of football. So there are plenty of players that will be outgoing. Cavani is another one. And Man United will have them resources to, to reinvest in improving the squad. I think I saw the other day that the players that are out of contract will free up around £700,000 a week in wages. Mm-hmm. If uh, you think of Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard, Cavani, Juan Mata, I think there might be but, one or two I'm missing as well. But Yeah, like once upon a time, not so long ago, seven hundred grand of wages a week would have been able to get you 10 players. Mm. Might get you three now or two. So that's not great. You see, so this is the problem that you might lose 10, but you can't just bring in two. You're going to have to bring in two plus maybe two kids plus maybe one or two unfashionable signings of around 10 million pound. So it's about brokering deals. And that's what Man United have not been really good at. That's the bit that United have suffered at is, is finding their scouting network, allowing them to go and get their next Julian Alvarez. You know, Man City are great at that. We're not that good at that. So 700 grand a week, people go, it's a ton of money. In modern football, it really isn't. It's not too far away, Scott, that we'll be having a player on a million pound a week soon. It will happen in the next two years. It's heinous. It's disgusting. We should have wage caps, in my opinion. But this is where we're going. And Man United, unfortunately, like to lead the way with the wage bill. Uh, Let's leave off. Rob, uh, in a minute. I don't know whether you have any final thoughts, but I would just like to ask you one final question. If you have anything to add after this, feel free. A couple of words to summarise how you feel as a United fan as it stands now. Do you know what? I don't don't want to be one of those people that just buck trends or say say something to, to, to annoy the United fan base or our viewers or whatever. I feel all right. I feel all right because... This is a problem that is going to take years to fix. So if you don't feel all right today about it, you're never going to feel all right about it. Every time we lose, you're going to just be heartbroken. So I look at this with the United. You know, I talked to again a fan from you know similar age to me, and in fact, it was Andy Mitten was talking about this the other day as well. And we said we have kind of seen this all before. You know, we saw it in the eighties and in the transition to Fergie. And then during the Fergie years, it was horrible. The football for the first four years was horrid. And we watched it every week like this. It was like, 
you know, and eventually, do you know what happened? We won the FA Cup in 1990 and things changed and then things changed quickly and Cantona arrived a couple of years later. We had the disappointment of losing the title to Leeds, you know, so you still had those ups and downs and Man United fans are going to have to get used to it. You're going to have to get used that Man United are not the best team in the world. They're not. They're not Man City. They're not Liverpool. They're nowhere near them at the moment. But if you get the right coach in now, the right players, this time next year, we could be getting to the end of the season, Scott, going, quite like this team. Quite like what they're doing. It'd be a good start, Rob, wouldn't it? To, but to that, like the team. That's how it has to work. You know, so I think that's what it is that Man United fans, I quite often say this, they look in the mirror and they're just kind of disgusted by what they see. They look at their fandom and they think, oh, and we're getting a little bit of that, aren't we? United fans getting it. United fans, it's very aggressive. It's over the top. It's it's I'm right and you're wrong all the time. That's why I look at this and I think to myself, well, if you haven't got a good manager in place at the moment, and I wanted Ralph Ranić, I think he's been had his hands tied, I would have still given Ralph the job. I'm still sticking to that because I think he's a great coach and a great man manager. Uh, I'd have given him the weapons to go and do the role, whereas he hasn't been given that. So now Yuk Ten Hag comes in. You better wish that he gets that. I don't care how many United fans love Ten Hag. So many of them love Ten Hag and have never seen Ajax play. So we now need to be, we need to live in reality. So that's why I feel all right, Scott. I don't leave this, this kind of mirror here of like, you know, our camera and go, oh, I hate my life as a Man United fan. I don't. I really, really don't. I think you just got to wait and see because this is a, a weird football club. It is a pantomime. And sometimes you're going to be entertained by it. And sometimes you're going to be disgusted by it because that's how it is. If the Glazers stay forever, and they probably will while you and me are alive and breathing, then not everything is going to change. We're not going to be happy about everything. But like I said, roll two sixes on the table. You get lucky. You get two or three star players in that do the work. You get a really good manager. And I so said, this time next year, we might be going, oh, look, Pep wants to leave City now. He's saying he wants to go. And, and in fact, you know what? Liverpool have had a bad season and Klopp's talking about maybe becoming German national team manager. Things can change in football very, very quickly and fall in your favour. It's just that for so long, Scott, it's been awful. So it's it's obvious just to be negative about it. But I feel all right about it. I really, really do. We go to the next game. Let's see what happens against Everton. Yes, it's Everton that United play on Saturday. Early kickoff, I believe, in the Premier League. So yep. let's have a look. Hopefully, the better feeling around the club can translate into the playing staff and they will put a better performance in than we've seen over the last few weeks. Let's hope a few of them think, ah, Ten Hag's coming. I need to start playing now because I need to show the new manager that I'm worth it. And that does happen. You do get that when, with, with this talk when a, a new coach is all but confirmed. you know, And that has come from the United sources. It's come from the club, around the club. That chitter-chatter does feed through to players. And yeah, let's hope a few of them decide that they want to be part of this Man United project going forward. I think the issue is that quite a few of them are not quite sure. They'll be like, well, do I fit Ten Hag's style? I think Marcus Rashford might be thinking that. I think Marcus might be thinking, this coach might not be able to help me. However, on day one, they might love each other. And you might find that Ten Hag does find a way of helping Marcus Rashford recapture his very best form. Fingers crossed. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc. 
and now watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, comment, subscribe, and join the community with us as well. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And just another reminder, you can follow Rob and I on Twitter too at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, it's been a big week for United. Hopefully not the biggest one moving forward, but Rob, uh, looking up, I guess. It's just the start, United fans. This is what United fans want. You want to hear about your new manager. We're going to tell you all about your new manager. It will get confirmed sooner rather than later, but you're going to have to wait until Ajax allow it. That's basically it. So I think that United will give Ten Hag the guarantees that he needs, but they need to give it to him, don't they? If they don't give it to him, there is every chance that he will look at another football project and think, hmm, poison chalice at Manchester United. I don't want to be part of that. Let me go and do something else first. And then maybe I'll go to United in two or three years' time when they really need me. So... You know, not 100% over the line, but I do think that Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United will be getting together very, very soon. Fingers crossed. Things are looking up. Rob, thank you very much. And we'll see you all soon. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.